Hello and welcome back to Come Follow Me with Fair Faithful Answers to New Testament Questions. My name is Jennifer Roach. Today we are going to talk about testimonies. As you know, we are going through the Come Follow Me readings and the sort of picking out some verses along the way that evangelicals and Latter-day Saints might have interesting conversations on or things your loved ones or friends and family who are evangelical might be curious about in our faith and maybe things you're curious about in their faith too. Okay, so today we are going to talk about testimonies, what they are, how they function differently for these two groups. And the kind of jumping off verse that we're going to use is Acts 22.1. Paul is, he's held in the court basically to the end of the book of Acts. And the verse just says, his brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense, right? Like he's going to give them this testimony that he has, why he is doing what he's doing. There's so many verses in the book of Acts that talk about people giving their testimonies, that talk about um, like why they're doing it and what the impact of it was. It's really hard to just choose a verse where like it, it's specifically talking about testimonies. There's just lots of testimony bearing happening in the book of acts and that's so that's where we find ourselves um so as you might imagine if you listen to any of these shows evangelicals and latter saints use the word testimony in in kind of some different ways there's a whole list of these words that we both use and, and we mean slightly nuanced things about them and this is one of them. And I think a lot of Latter-day Saints don't realize what's going on here. And certainly a lot of evangelicals have no idea like what we are talking about here. So I, ho I hope this helps you out. So in a general sense, evangelicals very, very much have the concept of having a testimony. That's, that's a thing for them. But they use it in a really, really specific um, a narrow way. It means pretty much one thing. So bearing one's testimony for an evangelical, it usually follows formula. And I mean, to be fair, all groups kind of follow a formula on these things. Um, if you go to sacrament meeting and you listen to people bear their testimonies, it kind of has a, a formula that we all follow. There's nothing wrong with it being a formula. Right. So evangelicals have their own version of that. The evangelical version has three steps before, how, and since. And and really what they're doing is they are trying to talk about their conversion to Christ. Right. Before it happened, how it happened, what's different since it happened, before, how, since. That's their like three point testimony. Um, and they talk through what their lives were like before they came to Christ, how that thing happened for them, and what their life has been like since. If you are like me, <laughs> your immediate question that comes to mind is, well, like, what about the people who came to Christ as children? They were born into Christian homes. And there, there will be some slight variation here for evangelicals. But the thing you have to understand here Evangelical children are understood to be born into the world as sinners. Um, Latter-day Saint friends, you probably have a, a sense of that. I don't know that that we always totally get what that means. Um, 
from the second evangelical kids are born, they are already on a path where they will be eternally separated from God unless they make a very specific kind of profession of faith. So that's what they believe about their children when they're born. Um, in, in, in practice, it works out a little bit softer, to be honest. They would say it's more pastoral. Um, they do have this understanding of an age of accountability, um, which would, a lot of them would say eight years old, right? Because it, it just sort of is where kids start to gain some self-awareness. But there's a wide variety, and it can be all the way up to, to age 15. Um, that higher end, churches that practice um, confirmation process, which is different than our Latter-day Saint confirmation, but churches that practice that, they tend to put that age of accountability up on the higher end until those kids have been given a chance to complete confirmation. That's a, usually a year-long process for them. Um, and then lots of them put it at the lower end. So... If a child dies in, in evangelical thinking, if a child dies before the age of accountability, they will comfort each other by talking about this concept, right? That, oh, this, this child wasn't old enough to know, you know, all of these things. We'll see them again in heaven, even though they have very little cognitive dissonance over this. They can say that in one breath and in the very next breath say every human being has to make a decision for Christ, a, a vocal public proclamation. Otherwise, they're going to be tortured for eternity in hell. And they don't really see, and most of the time don't even feel those two things as conflicts. This kid is going to be okay. Another person died without without making this confession of faith and they're not going to be okay. I don't want to press too hard into why that is. Um, they're looking for some comfort in times of crisis, right? Like you certainly can understand that. It actually, it conflicts with what sort of their proper theology is, but there's a difference. It, I think in our church as well as in their church of the actual theology of a church versus kind of how it's practiced by people in the pews, especially in times of crisis. Um but in general, evangelicals fall in line with the like broader Protestant theology that says if you have not made this public profession of faith or ask Jesus into your heart, however they say it, um, you are going to be damned to hell for all of eternity. But sort of, I mean, side note here, there are very few evangelicals that practice infant baptism, hadeo um, baptism. Well, when they do, this is one of the reasons that they do. Um, evangelicals that practice paedo-baptism, if, if an infant is baptized, they see their child very similarly to how Latter-day Saints see the status of a child who's born in the covenant. Um, they have a level of protection while they are young. They're unable to reach up to God. Um Infant baptism is seen as God like reaching down to them before they can reach up to him. Catholics, um, Eastern Orthodox, others, they would not nuance it that way. It would be about being like washed of sin. Um, but evangelicals who practice this, they're really longing. They're really, really wanting some way to set up their kids to 
kind of be thought of the same way that kids, Latter-day Saint kids are thought of. And so, this, I mean, this is kind of how they manage that. Um, evangelicals are basically um, conferring to their child the same idea of what we confer to children under age eight, at least in the pastoral sense, at least the ones who, who practice paleo-baptism. And then there are lots and lots and lots of them who say, um, you know, get a kid to make a some kind of profession of faith as young as you can so that you can make sure that kid goes to heaven because if they die before they can do that, they're not going to. So it, it's a tension. It's kind of a weird, sad reality. Anyway, when an evangelical learns, that was a total side, that was a total side conversation. We're talking about testimonies. When an evangelical learns to give a testimony um, and they were born into a church family, it usually goes something like this. Um, I was born into a great Christian family. I didn't even realize they needed to do something about my faith. But around age eight or, or whatever age, I learned I should invite Jesus into my heart. And so I did. And now I am happier and I'm going to go to heaven when I die before house sins. Now, Obviously, people who convert to evangelicalism later in life have a wider variety of stories than that, depending upon their circumstances, some very extreme, some lots of, you know, I just, I lived a fine life. I wasn't causing trouble, but I came to know Jesus. Um, that's, that's pretty much where bearing your testimony ends for an evangelical it is almost exclusively about how they came to faith and how they got saved. Now, when they say saved, the part of the sentence that they leave off is saved from hell. That's what they mean. Um, it used to get said that way a long time ago, more than 100 years ago. It doesn't really get said that way anymore. So they'll tell you the story of how they got saved. What they mean is they're no longer going to burn in hell. Now they're going to heaven. Um an evangelical is never going to say something like, I have a testimony of the Bible, or I have a testimony that this church is true. That is not what testimonies are about for them. For them, a testimony is the very simple story of how they came to know Christ and be adopted as God's child. Here, here is another aside. Um, for them, the word adopt is the word to use here. We've talked about this in, in a couple episodes in the past. They don't see themselves as born children of God. They see themselves as born. Satan is their real father. The devil, the devil is their real father. And God must adopt them into his family. Even, you know, wretched as they are, God in his kindness and goodness will adopt them. It's more complicated than that. Go back and watch some of those past episodes on the topic if you're interested. I'll leave it there for now. In summary, evangelical testimonies are about how they got saved. Latter-day Saints, on the other hand, are likely to say they have a testimony of all kinds of different aspects of faith. And we are taught pretty consistently that bearing one's testimony should be focused on Christ. But we have all kinds of different tools to do that. You might hear someone say, um, I have a testimony of repentance and how it leads you to see Christ more in your life. This morning, our fifth Sunday lesson was on having a testimony and growing your testimony. And a woman said, 
I really have a testimony of, of such and such him, right? And evangelical, they will have no idea what they're saying. The mechanism of what a testimony is supposed to be doing is vastly different. Because remember, for evangelicals, it's mostly a public or semi-public telling of how they came to be saved, saved from hell. The function is to participate in a public declaration of faith. Latter-day Saints come at it differently. I, we're going to make a point with this hang in there. We covenant it differently because a different mechanism is being used. For Latter-day Saints, a testimony is talking about how a belief they had was solidified through an experience and has grown into something bigger and deeper. It's a, it's a faith in action, and the result is a deeper faith. And that is, is mostly what, what Latter-day Saints are referring to as a testimony. Um, for example, a person has faith that God really cares about them and that faith is good, but maybe it's a little shaky sometimes and it needs some shoring up. That person goes through an experience whereby they must put that faith into action. And I mean, sure they can choose not to, but if they want that belief to grow, they're going to come to, they're going to come to some experience because we all do right, of having to actually put, like, rubber meets the road on that belief, they must act on the faith that God cares about them. In, in, in this example, that would be what the acting is. And the end result of that process is that their belief is built stronger. They would say, this is gaining a testimony of something. This is how we Latter-day Saints talk about testimonies. Um, the belief is made stronger through the process of trusting God, taking what's already been revealed to them and growing. That's what a testimony is for Latter-day Saints. And so sometimes you'll hear evangelicals say is, or I'm sorry, so something you will never hear evangelicals say is, I don't really have a testimony of this or of that. Latter-day Saints sometimes say that. Evangelicals, that, that sentence makes no sense to them. They're not going to say, um, I don't know that I really have a testimony of tithing right now, or um, they are, they are not going to say, my child really needs to develop a testimony of repentance, right? Nonsensical to them. For evangelicals, either you have a testimony of being saved or you don't, and those are the only two options. There, there is no talking about testimonies of other things. So how testimonies are expressed is also really different. Um, evangelicals, they will express their testimony almost exclusively in an act to try and convert other people. It's very much a missionary tool. Um, that's sort of the whole point for them, so that the other person can be saved from hell, too. The Latter-day Saints express testimonies for about a bajillion different reasons. Uh, certainly missionary work is in there, but we express testimonies in front of our families and loved ones so that they can know what we know, so that they have an awareness of, like, this is important to people that are important to me. We express them um, in gratitude of our own growth. We express them um, it, it just all kinds of reasons. Evangelicals have 
had pretty limited opportunities to express a testimony, at least publicly. And it's not common for it to be in their in their private, you know, family or, or friendship conversations. It just doesn't work that way for them. Um, their worship services don't really make room for it. Worship services are kind of, they're put on by the professionals, the people who have been hired by the church to do that, right? Their pastors are hired more and more. Their musicians and song leaders are hired. Um, it's a, a worship service is a professionally produced event. And, and they ain't making room for so-and-so to stand up and, and bear their testimony. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It, and maybe it used to in the olden days a little bit, but not now. Um, while evangelical, the order of Latter-day Saints are given the opportunity to do so in, in church service every few weeks, right? Like we're doing this all the time. Now, Latter-day Saint friends, I know. I know. Best in testimony meeting can be a grab bag where you never know quite what you are going to get. And one month it might be great. And the next month you might walk away just going, what in the world just happened? I I imagine everyone listening has their own stories of when fast and testimony meeting got weird. They do too, right? My two examples of that are one, the time the police had to be called in the middle of fast and testimony meeting. There's a whole other story that I'm not going to tell you. That one is not nearly as interesting as my very first fast and testimony meeting. I was still an investigator in the church. I had been attending for a while. I'd been taking lessons. Um, lots of people in the congregation already knew me. Uh, we're sitting in fast and testimony meeting. A very elderly man who is, who is sweet. But he went up and talked about how disappointed he was that polygamy has not come back. I... I feel every eye in the room turn to look at me because I'm the new girl. And my friend I was sitting with, she just kind of grabs my hand and says, like, we will talk about this later. Like, don't panic right now. So, yeah, it gets weird sometimes. And I, and I get that. But I would not get rid of our practice of fast and testimony meetings if I could. And that is because of the mechanism that is driving it. We are able to see how putting faith into action brings us closer to Christ. Like that's the whole point of what's going on there. Even when maybe that putting faith into action is just being open to some kind of revelation that might be coming to you and then receiving it and believing it and acting on it. Like like that's the whole deal, right? Um, bearing testimonies to one another does something that is encouraging to us. It inspires us towards our own acts of faith. It inspires more love for the Savior. Uh, fast and testimony meeting is especially important for people who don't live with families where they can talk about this stuff with them. They, they probably have friends they can hit and miss, have conversations with. My experience has been that most of those folks who care about those kinds of things are longing for more than they get, right? And bless their friends for, for trying to fill in. But this just isn't always possible. And so fast and testimony meeting, as weird as it can get, kind of fills in some of the gaps for that. Um, my biggest goal in telling you all of this, Latter-day Saint friends, is to help you understand that you're using the word testimony very differently than evangelicals use it. 
that I bear my testimony, that I understand that tithing is a correct principle. That makes no sense to, to evangelicals. Now, I am not saying you should avoid that phrase. You should use that phrase. I actually was really drawn in by that phrase when I was investigating the church. I'm saying that it might help to have some language for understanding how evangelicals are using that word. Remember, they only use that word in talking about salvation. We're using it differently because the concept of putting faith into action results in more faith, a closer relationship to Christ. That's pretty compelling. But you have to be able to explain it to them because if you say something like, I have a testimony that we have a prophet leading our church. Your evangelical friends are going to take their definition of what a testimony is. A testimony is where you talk about how you gained salvation. And what they're going to hear you saying is, I believe our prophet is the one we have to believe in to be saved, not Jesus Christ. Right? This, this All this is is a two different uses of the word testimony. But if you say, I have a testimony of having a prophet, they hear that about salvation. Don't stop using the word. Please keep using it. You just need to know how they're hearing it to maybe provide a little bit of language around it that helps them see what you're actually saying and what you're not saying. Um, evangelicals don't, um, they don't really talk about testimony outside of salvation. And for us, that's not a category for the most part at all that we're talking about. Um, who's saved and who's going to hell isn't really a, a Latter-day Saint conversation, um, but it is for them. And so so being sensitive to how they hear that word, I, I think it's just a helpful and good thing. All right, shorter episode today, but it's summer. The fair conference is this week, so I'm a little stretched. <laughs> Um, I know some of you are coming to fair. Some of you have emailed me and I'm looking forward to meeting you. I know um, ticket sales for in-person are closed. They had to be able to get a headcount for meals. But if you would like, you can still register to stream online. Um, you can see all the talks. I am speaking Friday afternoon, two o'clock mountain time. Would love for you to tune in. It's not on evangelicals. I'm talking about how the church handles issues of sexual abuse. So an entirely different thing than we're doing here, but that's kind of my main area of research passion. So tune in if that's if that sounds fun for you. I would love to meet you if you are there in person. Next week, our Come Follow Me readings move into Romans. We could do a year's worth of episodes on Romans alone. It is going to fly by. I think we get less than a month in Romans, and that's how it is. There, There's only so many weeks. Um but there's some really, really good and relevant stuff in there for us to talk about. And I look forward to seeing you then.